and welcome to Travel Radio. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I am privileged to have Judy Yerza back on the line with me. Welcome, Judy. Hi, Megan. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, especially because I know if you're coming up on the show that someone extra is praying for me, so that works out pretty well. So thanks for being here. (laughs) Judy. Judy, people that have listened to the program in the past know that you have a niche specialty of trips that you plan, and this is uh, particularly geared towards persons of a Catholic faith. Will you tell us a little bit about your specialty and um, and who your clients are? Sure. So I specialize in Catholic-based um, trips, pilgrimages, uh, vacations, so Um, mainly pilgrimages, but um, obviously there's a wealth of different travel sites around the world um, to help broaden our faith. Um, Some examples I've put together itineraries in Europe to visit um, shrines, um, obviously Vatican City, um, and then in Italy, there's just, in Rome alone, there's over 900 churches. Mm. Um, so I put together um, tailored itineraries for people wanting to visit um, different churches, different um, trip plans that sort of um, walk in the footsteps of, of saints, like St. Paul in Greece or um, St. Francis of Assisi in Italy. Um, there's just, yeah, there's so many um, to, to name, but yeah. I just wanted you to talk about, um, what people, why people take these type of trips and who might be a good candidate for this type of a trip. I think the people that take these trips are people that are looking to, um, strengthen their faith or sometimes they're just, they're on the search, maybe even, um, not very spiritual, at the moment and are just looking to um, find that um, closeness to God. And a lot of these, so I've done anything from couples, um, I've even done a honeymoon pilgrimage, um, and mm-hmm. also families, multi-generational families. You know, you have um, sometimes groups that take grandmothers, grandfathers, and they want to take their grandchildren to these, you know, beautiful shrines to to share the history. And, um, there's definitely, for me, I feel a closeness, um, going into something, um, you know, like St. Peter's Basilica. I, I mean, you get to be at, at the birthplace of where, you know, um, the church, the structured church, um, started. And then obviously the Holy Land, um, they, you know, it, it'll, it brings what clients tell me is that it it brings um, sort of a reassurance and a, a a broader perspective on on what you're what you're taught already for you know on teachings of the church you know to be in the footsteps of Jesus is it has no words really it's you know it's mm. it's, it's going to change you and and um, so yeah so. I, I, like I said, I work with, um, couples, families, and then obviously there's, um, the possibility for solo travelers. Um, I actually have uh, a friend that just finished the Camino, um, de Santiago. I don't know if people are familiar, the walk of St. James. It's a mm. 
really great pilgrimage. Um, there's various uh, set ways to go about it, but the more traditional way is that it, it begins at the border of France and Spain, um, the northern border of France and Spain, and you uh, walk, you, you, you trail along um, the entire northern part of Spain all the way to the coast. You find you end in Santiago de Compostela um, mm. at this beautiful church that has uh, the remains of St. James, the apostle. Wow. And you, you have such a community of people there that you will run into um, from youth to, you know, older people, um, baby boomers. It's everything. And people walk um, about three to four miles a day, and then you stay at different um, sort of guest houses. Um, but there's also um, opportunity to stay in hotels. It's, and that, I've heard, is just a life-changing experience where you're really left to your own thoughts, to your own reflection, um, and it, it's believed that St. James the Apostle um, traversed that same path, that that traditional northern um, part of the country. So something like that, it, it just moves you, and um, it really, really brings you closer closer to God to do something something like that. It usually takes about 30 days. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, so I think it's 500 miles, 30, 30 days, 500 miles. I've done yeah. a 14, <laughs> I've done 14, I think 20 day backpacking trips where we were doing like between 10 and 15 miles a day. And I mean, that's when your legs just want to fall off and you're just, you know, you're trucking it and, and the purpose is to get to like the next peak to get to the next lookout to you know cross a river right. whatever eat a squirrel I don't know you know like but the, <laughs> I mean the unifying factor is adventure and you still feel like you come off that trip like so close to the people you're with but to think about you know the the unifying factor being um, a religious aspect is really I don't I don't know it's really appealing to me I mean I, we're not Catholic we're just Christians but I of, you know, we share a lot of the same data points in our faith. And it's really interesting yeah. to me to think about showing up at this seaside location with these people of all different ages and demographics with uh, the single unifying factor being um, this point of faith. It's very moving to me. I, I, the, what you do is very interesting. Um, so let's talk about anniversaries in faith, especially in Catholicism, there's a lot of, I don't want to say momentum, but there's kind of some, you know, these anniversaries that come up that are very, I don't know what I want to say, timely, market significant events. You tend to try to plan trips around some of these significant events. And the next kind of significant thing on your radar is, I'm not even going to say it right. Can you tell me, Ober Amergau? Oberammergau, yes, Oberammergau. All right, help me out. Tell me about Oberammergau and its origins. Okay, sure. Well, I think it's important to note, so a lot of these um, uh, celebrations in the church, a lot of times are anniversaries, and um, I don't think people necessarily go to uh miraculous events, but I think it's just in celebration, just simple celebration. We like to celebrate mm. <laughs> um, big events. 
And I think people like to go to these places. They, they travel around the world to be at these big events um, just because they want to experience that camaraderie of like-minded Christians, of, mm-hmm. you know, being in prayer with 5,000, 10,000 people. It's, it, you know, it's, it's something really moving. And, you know, sometimes you'll get um, the Pope there for, like, um, you know, a, a World Youth Day or, um, you know, just recently we celebrated uh, the 100 years of uh, the apparitions in Fatima, Portugal. Um, although it would be wonderful, spectacular even, to be present for an actual miracle. Mm-hmm. I think just the idea that um, you know, Our Lady was there, that's enough for people to be like, wow, she was here. That's yeah. And I'm here. That's awesome. <laughs> but yes, Obramergal, um, for those that haven't heard of it, it is an extraordinary theatrical production. Um, and it's put together solely by the inhabitants of that village of Obramergal. I personally hadn't really heard of it until I was in the travel industry, which I think, oh, what a shame. I would have loved to <laughs> have heard of it sooner, maybe gone already in college. Mm-hmm. Um, Oberammergau is a small village in Germany. It's, it's beautifully nestled in the mountains, like the Bavarian Alps. Um, and it's about, uh, 62 miles Southwest of Munich. So much like other villages in that region, uh, it's quiet and picturesque. It's, it's something you would really see on Instagram, you know, that would make you, would pull you in and you really want to visit it. It's like a storybook. And yeah. um, a lot of the buildings, uh, they have these beautiful frescoes of religious scenery, um, mainly the crucifixion. Um, and within it, it, it has about um, 5,000 inhabitants. And it's a treasure trove of actors, musicians, painters, and other artisans. And they all lend their talents every decade to put this play together. Um, and a little history on it. So, um, the his, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting story. So it started in 1633, um, 15 years after the end of the 30 years war, um, Germany's population, it plummeted from 17 million to about 4 million after the war. Mm. And a lot of that, well, obviously the casualties of war, but also Germany was just ravaged by the bubonic plague. And suddenly this village, this small village saw itself also wiped out. It, it wiped out half of their population. And um, the people there, they vowed to perform this, this passion play um, every 10 years, ever since then, um, so that, you know, so God may have mercy on, on their people and, not, and save them from this plague. And since that vow, there was not one more person afflicted with the plague. So they have kept up with this tradition. The first play was in 1634, and um, it was performed um, in an open air. Well, actually, it was performed on the cemetery um, Mm. near those that had actually died in the plague. And since then, it's been performed um, in an open air theater, um, and it's and now it's this it's this really grand um, 
theater and it has like these really comfortable seats and it's wheelchair accessible and it has, you know, these awesome facilities and lobby and bathroom facilities and, you know, everything that modern theaters require, you know, but um, it's come a long way. Obviously, 1634, it was out on the cemetery, I think um, sometime in like 1815 was like the first actual structure. It was like a really plain wooden structure. And then, um, you know, now it's this, it's this big 5,000 um, seating open air theater. Um, Man, that's some promise yeah, to so make. Now, like you keep us in- alive, we do this play. You better do the play. Like that's a promise yeah. to make. Holy yes. God. Yeah, <laughs> right. And the thing is that this play is so much more now. I mean, obviously they've kept up with their vow, but this play, I believe it, it really adds to their identity, to the, the people of Oberammergau, because only people from Oberammergau uh, actually participate in this play. Mm-hmm. So they have very, very strict um, stipulations where um, – to act in the play, you must be either born in Oberammergau or you live there for 20 years. That's interesting. I was wondering. Yes, to act in the play. And um, the only exception to this is children. So all children of the village are allowed to be in the production. And um, last year, I believe it was like, um, 400 children, or not last year, I'm sorry, in 2010, yeah. there was 400 children that participated. And it really is something very beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful tradition um, because you have generations now that have been in the play, you know, great, 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 great grandfathers, grandmothers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's being passed down and it's really beautiful to have, you know, mothers and um husband, you know, fathers and daughters and sons and everyone sort of act out on this, on this common thing. And, um, they really take pride in it. And it's, you know, I, I say it's just the villagers that are, uh, participating, but it is an extraordinarily, you know, um, what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's visually stunning. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. The people there are true artists. Uh, and everyone in it, all the cast, so you have the light directors, the coordinators, the director, they're all from that village. Mm. And um, so since then, um, it's undergone a few changes. Originally, um, I read somewhere that it was seven to eight hours long. It was an all-day thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, I would love to know, go, in, but I don't know my kids can handle that. Yeah, well, actually, I believe it's um, the ages eight and up oh. because of the the length of the play, and I think the seriousness of the content, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think because people, it, it, it's sort of like a, a really serious work of art where you know I don't think they want small children just because it might be a distraction to others, and and people really are traveling from all around the world um, sure. to see it. So, they, you know, they traditionally they come from, um, you know, the, the United States, from England and um, from Scandinavia. But I believe now um, 
they they were just getting people from all over in 2010 and it sold out. This is, um, this is like the must see production of (laughs) every 10 years. Um, it's, it's just something that's really, really moving and really great. And it's all performed. It has this really wonderful orchestra and choir and, um, they really try to stay true to the original text. By the way, it's performed in German, <laughs> which huh. I I thought, you know, oh, that might be a little bit of a problem. But I I mean, for those that are religious, I I don't think anyone really is unfamiliar with the story of the of the passion mm-hmm. and just seeing some of the scenes. I know I've I've done a lot of research on it. I've, I've watched a lot of videos on it and. I definitely can, you know, keep up the, the acting in it is just, it's beautiful. And, um, what they create is just, it's really wonderful. Actually, they also, one of the things that I really liked, um, that was just a little different is they incorporate these, um, scenes that they're called like living tableaus. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Mm, I don't know. Um, but it, but what it is, it's, it's a still scene and it's comprised of motionless actors, um, appearing like a portrait and, or like a fresco. Mm-hmm. And it's inserted right before the beginning of a scene. Um, and it's a, it's a scene from the Old Testament and it's to bring reflection on what is to come and to sort of bring, um, uh, a link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's thought provoking. It's artistic. The music is phenomenal and it's just, I, it's such a treasure. And it's, like I said, it sold out, um, it sold out last, the last time in 2010, um, it was the 41st performance and I'm already, um, I'm seeing, cause I, I have clients going and already I'm seeing, um, itinerary sell out. Yeah, I believe it. Um, yeah, it, it goes on for about five months. So from May to September, um, which if anyone's familiar with the German Alps, that's the best time to go. Um, if you you want actually, if you don't want to be freezing, um, so that it's, it's during the summer months and they perform now, I believe it's being modified to be about four hours. So in the past, it was only offered once a day, and I'm seeing now that it's being offered twice a day. Oh my gosh! Um, which I, I think it's, to, it's a long day. Yeah, it is a long day. Well, actually, so there's 21 lead roles, and um, every lead role has two understudies, and that's for in case of you know Exhaustion sickness or, or whatever, yeah, whatever may come up. Exhaustion. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, it's, it takes two years of preparation. I, it's a really serious thing. I, once I really started diving into my research about it, because I, you know, I started hearing about it, you know, people were telling me, you know, look out for O'Brien, look out, it's coming in 2020. And this was like, at, you know, a few years ago that I started yeah. hearing about this. And it's like, get ready for 2020. Really? <laughs> Um, but it's, it's so true. So the cast has been preparing, they prepare for two years 
prior to the beginning of um, of these shows, and um, it, it's about two hundred thousand, or not two hundred thousand. I'm sorry, two and a half. Um, so twenty five hundred citizens take part in the play. Yeah, and uh, they take. They take their roles very seriously. So, for example, the men that are, uh, you know, portraying these biblical characters, these Jewish men, they have something called the hair and beard regulation. So the men, for one year, they are required to allow their hair and beard to grow out so that they can look authentic to, um, you know, that biblical look. I'm looking Um, at the pictures and... Yeah, they're they're matching the role. They're matching your description exactly. There's one kind of shaved beard guy, yeah. but he's behind a uh, menorah, so they're hiding him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he must not be a, a main character, perhaps, because the the main characters, you know, they they really commit, and um, and even for example, for like the the actors that played Jesus Christ himself, they sometimes go to the Holy Land mm. to actually get uh, more study and preparation. And they perform a few prayers in Hebrew oh. um, just to add to the authenticity of it. And uh, yeah, it's, they all study their parts really well. And it's, and it shows because it's just, it, it's something really moving. Um, but yeah, 40 plus stage hands, seven lighting directors it's it's a big big production well and i'm looking at the costumes of the other i mean i'm look. i think i'm looking at like pharisees sadducees i don't know what i'm looking at here in the crucifixion scene who's who and i'm seeing mother mary i don't know who else is in here there and here's the here's soldiers casting lots for jesus robe but this is an intense scene there's a horse on the stage and yes <laughs> yeah, it's intense. There's a lot of people on the stage and the costumes are incredible. Yeah, it Yeah. And and I believe they try to change it a little bit each year, which is really tricky, but they they really try to stay true to the the actual the original play, which um, you know, the passion play, it originated um in the ritual of like the Catholic Church um, which was spoken in Latin, you know, mm-hmm. in those times. And um, so it was prescribed then that the gospel on Good Friday should be sung and divided among people. So that's where the tradition of the play comes from, you know, giving parts to a, a various people mm. to sort of um, bring it to life. So that's where the um, tradition comes from. But yeah, so the the set directors and the director for 2010, what they wanted to do, what I, what I read was that they, um, they had the other people. So not the main characters, they dressed in blue, like a light, a shade of light blue. So like the, um, the people of Jerusalem and, um, you know, just the, the background crowd were in this light blue color and all of the main characters were in this, in these various shades of like, beige and white so that your eye could be attracted to them, to the story. Mm. And there's still this grandiose picture of all the people, you know, in the town, but at the same time, your eye is drawn to the main character. 
So it's interesting to see what they're going to do this um, this time around in 2020 because they really like to, like I say, um, sort of modify it a little bit so that, you know, if, if you are uh, someone that, that goes, you know, every decade, um, you're going to get a little bit of a different show, but still that same feeling and that same, um, you know, sort of authenticity to it as well. Yeah, and different fl- actors will give it a different flavor, especially as they're, like, living and breathing these roles for two years. And I imagine that the role will transform someone. At this, I'm looking at a picture which it looks like there's 2,500 people on this stage. It's incredible. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so then if someone wants to go on the ship, if, for example, I'm... I'm planning some trips to Normandy for some folks because next year is the 75th anniversary, March 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasions for World War II in Normandy region. Hotels within a 100-mile radius are sold out. If you are lucky, you can get an Airbnb. But, and that's for, you know, a pretty significant historic event within our military community. I mean... Within the world, I think the world's getting a little far away from it, but that reflects a smaller mm-hmm. population than the than the Catholic Church um, these days. As you know, so all that to say, there's going to be a rush on these hotel rooms, and that's going to be your problem. So if you're interested in this, they should book now um, to, yes. to see this. So, well, something interesting to know is if you if you know, just any average person goes to want to book this themselves individually, reach out to this hotel, they're booked mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they are already, you know, they already have whatever rooms that they, I, I mean, there's no huge resorts here. This yeah. is a quaint little village. And um, a lot of the bigger companies um, already blocked rooms, at, you know, groups are blocked um, so in order to, to get, um, you know, to try to attend this, uh, I think the best way is to go through an escorted group. So actually there's, there's a variety of itineraries out there. Um, there's, uh, there's a number of suppliers offering, um, itiner- itineraries comprised mainly of escorted groups. Um, but there's also some really exquisite river cruises. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, there's a combination of the two. That would be the one I would recommend. Yeah. <laughs> too. Um, so, you know, obviously there's, um, there's many, uh, different suppliers, uh, companies that offering those escorted groups. And then in the river cruise, um, market, you have, you know, Emerald Waterways and Tuck and, um, a number of others. My favorite, um, as far as the escorted groups, um, I would recommend Globus. So they, they know it. Um, they, they know the area. They know uh, the play. And, and more importantly, they have reserved these first class tickets to the play. So not only is it about getting there and getting the best accommodation, which you're guaranteed with a company like Globus, but they have these reservation on, on these, you know, up close seats, centrally located, you know, right in the middle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the theater. So you can feel like you're fully immersed 
in that play. Um, that to me, I mean, if you're going to take the time to, to experience this play, I mean, why not get the best seat possible? Yeah. Right. Um, so they have a number of itineraries, but, um, some of the ones to note. So I've personally booked, um, clients to the Munich Salzburg and Vienna itinerary. It's, it's an eight day. Um, it's like I said, it's escorted and it's available May through September. And something you can see there, you know, obviously you're going to see a combination of castles and palaces and gorgeous scenery mm-hmm. and a number of historical sites. Um, one of the things to note, so I don't really know how to pronounce it, the um, Neuschwanstein Castle in Germany. Have you heard of it? Neuschwanstein, yeah. Yes. I, I can never say it. I always get so tongue-tied. Um, yeah, King Ludwig's Castle, this fairy tale castle, and it was actually the inspiration for Walt Disney. Yeah, Cinderella's Castle. And the wonderful thing about going with something like Globus is you're it's already built in. You have that that guide with you and they're going to give you all of those details. So really you don't feel like you're missing out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to get that, um, that VIP type of experience where, you know, you don't have to wait in line. You can just go straight into um, all of these great places. This goes through, like I said, a portion of the Danube. And then of course it adds that the Oberammer gal passion play and those awesome first class seats and it includes everything, you know, your transfers and, and also that's, that's probably my favorite as far as escorted goes, but there's also another one worth noting. It's a 12 day. It's, um, the Imperial Splendors. Um, it goes through Munich, Prague, um, Bratislava, Slovakia, Budapest, Vienna, Salzburg, Obramergau, and then it ends again in Munich. Mm. Um, so, Which is a cool and city. Also, yes. And this one also includes that, you know, that little Danube portion cruise. Um, it's only about a half a day, but still, just to get a little bit of that romantic, you know, atmosphere of the of river cruising. So are you taking more clients right now? I am. I, I am. And especially I... I'm really um, specifying that, you know, if you really want to join in for this um, passion play, I know it's kind of far out 2020, but it's really important to book now only because like I said, itineraries are already booking up. What what's important about booking now is you're going to reserve that seat for the play. You're going to reserve your accommodation mm-hmm. and your transfers. And um, you know, when, when flight schedules go up, um, you'll already be locked in for your accommodation. So it'll be easy to, to get your itineraries for your flights. Um, so yeah, I, I really urge people, this is a once in a lifetime type of event. Um, if I, not only for the religious people, but I think also this is a really, um, beautifully cultivated art, mm-hmm. um, like artistic type of event as well. So I think for theater lovers, um, for, I think it can appeal to even, um, people that just love music. Mm. Um, because especially like, for example, like the first itinerary, the Munich Salzburg in Vienna, 
um, that could certainly be something for a music lover. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to, you're going to go to the birthplace of Mozart, you know, see the, the areas of the sound of music and that itinerary includes a dinner with, um, an orchestra in Salzburg. Oh, nice. You know, you get your own private concert. Yes. So you get a private concert and you're getting the Oberammergau play. It's, I, you know, it can appeal to many, but so for those that are actually looking to um, deepen their faith and strengthen their faith, they're looking at this more from a pilgrimage perspective. Um, there are a few itineraries, itineraries that I recommend, um, one being um, one that goes through Italy and it, and it goes through a lot of the um, shrines in Italy, such as um, Siena and um, Umbria, Assisi, Padua, um, and, it, and it visits a lot of the, the famous shrines there. Um, also, uh, I have an, a different itinerary that visits um, different shrines, the shrines of um, Alpine Europe, and that one goes mm. through um, Munich, Salzburg, and Vienna, and Zurich, mm. but with a more Christian perspective. So um, rather than seeing maybe the... Well, actually, it does include a little bit of the site, so that's what I kind of like about the pilgrimages I put together. Naturally, when you're going abroad, you want to see those popular sites as well. You want to see Mozart's birthplace um, and the scenes of Sound of Music. But for me personally, I like to visit, you know, cathedrals, and um, I like to learn a little bit more of the history of the scenes of that region. Um, and it certainly incorporates that really wonderfully. So if people are interested in that, you can reach out to me, um, for any of them, for any of the above. And, and there's also just river cruises, um, designated to this. Um, one of the ones that I recommend is, um, Avalon waterways. They have a few itinerary itineraries. I'm getting mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um, that go through the Danube, um, 12 day, um, trips and, and you would get to stop, you know, um, at the same sort of areas that, that, um, are on the escorted, but at the same time, it's that, you know, that wonderful experience of getting from, from place to place and seeing all the, the, you know, the, the passing of the castles and the palaces and, mm-hmm. And obviously the the service that you get on the cruise. So in that case, you'll be passing through um, places like um, Bratislava, Vienna, Melk, Budapest, and um, you know you'll make your way on a on a bus to to see the Oberammergau uh, play, and then you'll go back um, to your river cruise. And it, it just it seems like a dreamy way to see it too. I, th- I think. Yeah. I don't know. No. Pretty hard choices there because I, I kind of like all of them. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, but of course, budget has, you know, a thing to play into it. So if you're interested in this sort of yeah. thing, I mean, really, you need to talk to a travel professional. Um, and Judy has done a ton of research. So she would be a good resource for this because she already knows who offers what at what price point. So one stop shopping for yeah. Ober Amergau. Judy Urza. <laughs> yeah. And the, yeah. And actually, you know, some of the, some of the itineraries are actually, um, fairly affordable. I mean, 
I would say starting at like 1800. That's pretty good. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was, I was surprised as well. And you know, that's a seven day, um, escorted tour. So yeah, contact me. Yeah. There's, there's options. There are options out there. Um, I, yeah, I can certainly help make that happen. So Judy, if somebody didn't want to wait for 2020 to go to the Oberammergau, uh, event, they wanted to do something next year, 2019. Um, are there any significant events or celebrations coming up that people should be aware of that they might want to participate in? And, uh, who, who should be looking out for this kind of event? Who are they targeting? So there's, um, a few events that are pretty big on the list for 2019. Um, one is World Youth Day and it's being held in Panama in, um, this upcoming year. And there's also, um, the World um, Family Day and it's in Ireland. Um, also for this year and, and those are also selling out pretty quickly. Um, I'm actually really happy to see a lot of, um, youth, you know, signing up to go on these events and, um, it it should be, it should be really great. Um, and there's a variety of itineraries. It could be as basic as you want and then as inclusive as you want so there's so much to do there so um, but at the what same age time, is always, well, sorry let me interrupt you what age is youth and are just youth going or is this like family going with youth do mom and dad go how does that work what i've seen is there's yeah it, it's pretty open um what i've seen is a lot of high school and um college age students um group you know youth groups from specific churches that are putting together funds to go. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you see, you know, obviously families coming along, um, young children. Um, it's, it's, it's an event that's open to, um, to cater to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. So that should be um, really big. But at the same time, there's always these, um, there's so many places to go around the world. I know I mentioned, um, the Camino de Santiago, um, you know, there's the Holy land and uh, there's so many routes in Italy and France. And, and then a lot of people don't really take into account, but, um, Mexico has a lot of pilgrimage routes. Um, our lady of Guadalupe in Mexico city is a huge pilgrimage site. And, um, you know, there's many beautiful places to see in Mexico. And in South America, there's uh, really big pilgrimages, pilgrimage sites um, such as Argentina and Ecuador. Um, so the possibilities are endless. There's, there's so many. <laughs> yeah, and Mexico is so accessible from the U.S. Um, okay, Judy, well, let's, um, let's talk about how people can find you. Okay, well, there's a number of ways I have um, a website, mm-hmm. St. com. I think, um, we'll have it posted. Yeah. It'll um, be in your information. Absolutely. In the show notes. Yep. I'm active on social media. Um, I have a St. Christopher mission travel, uh, Facebook page. Um, you can find me on Instagram, um, Pinterest, 
Uh, I have some YouTube videos that you can look at if you want some inspiration. Um, we'll try to tag all those in, on the info. Great. Um, and I'll also leave my email and my telephone number. Um, I'm pretty accessible. So I'm willing to contact you on whatever communication platform is, um, is best for you. Now, before you slip away, tell us why you got the name St. Christopher Missions Travel and uh, who St. Christopher was. Sure. So um, when thinking of a name, I drew um, inspiration um, from my from my faith. So, um, you know, saints in the Catholic Church are sort of like um, people that, you know, lived a religious life. Um, that are great examples of of living, you know, um, the life according to Jesus. And St. Christopher is known to be um, a patron saint of travelers. So um, through history and through sort of um, tradition, um, saints are sort of um, connected with a certain trait or um, an activity and um, it said that um, St. Christopher um, will pray for you um, on your travels. Mm. So I thought, how fitting is that to have extra prayers, extra blessings for travelers? Amen. Um, yeah. So, right. So, and then mission, I always kind of would joke around in my own travels, like my next mission is, you know, kind of like your mission, should you choose to accept it? Um, so I kind of combined the two. So St. Christopher mission travel, our slogan is what's your mission. Yeah. Um, and that could be for anything, you know, it it could be for pilgrimages, you know, what's your mission to strengthen your faith or it could be, you know, I don't know, just vacationing. What's your mission to get away from work? (laughs) So it it, it can work for all. Oh, great. Well, Judy, thanks so much for being on the program. Um, If you want to contact Judy, all of her information is going to be in the show notes. And I will also tag her past episodes on her past uh, pilgrimages that she's led people on and planned um, over the the last year or so. So um, Judy is our religious missions travel gal, and we will hear more from her. She's got a couple more things in the works coming up and um uh, so we'll we'll hear from back from her very shortly all that to say i am also on social media i am chapa travel on twitter i am travel radio podcast on instagram and also on facebook and um the website is travelradioonline.com if you want to see the other episodes or blog articles and with that this is megan chapa saying good night (laughs) 